whether you know it or not, that is setting up your future sales. So the big question is, what are top agents doing to absolutely crush it in real estate? To get the answers, we interview the top real estate agents to learn their secrets to success. If you would like one-on-one access to over 26 of the top agents in the country to help you scale your business, then head over to eliteagentsecrets.com slash partner, or you can just click the link in the description below. My name is Andrew Dunn. And my name is Peter Michael. Welcome to Elite Agent Secrets. So I, I, this, this brings us really nicely into really topic number three, because we're going to talk about a little bit of why brokers are failing their clients, right? When it comes to that yeah. long-term real estate planning, not knowing what to do and just focusing on the sale, not mm-hmm. understanding the market, not knowing the finances, not knowing the tax benefits. And just because yeah. somebody's not in real estate, it doesn't mean they can't take advantage of it. Yeah, I think it's important to when when we talk about this, you know, uh, you need to have that conversation with your client, even if they're buying a primary residence. So let's say we have, you know, a couple, they're buying a primary residence, you know, for their family, whatever. Why aren't you having that conversation early, early on to say, hey, look, paint the picture for what your financial future looks like after this transaction? Like, what does it look like? Right. Are you going to stay here five years, 10 years? Is this your quote unquote forever house? Which I've heard that over 20 years, I've heard this is my forever house. And then I've sold that same house like many three, times. Three, four years later, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, hey, look, shit in life happens, right? Uh, people die, people get divorced, uh, you know, people grow families they didn't expect, all those things happen. So, um, the forever house, I always, when somebody says that to me, there's always a part of me that kind of giggles. Um, I have had some, some older clients who I say, this might be your forever house, um, but everybody else, I, I don't really kind of, put too much weight in that. But I always try to have a conversation. Hey, look, you know, what is your future? Because that is, whether you know it or not, that is setting up your future sales. That yeah. is setting up that repeat business before they even bought their first house. But it goes back to when you start talking about financing, right? And so you start talking about, okay, hey, we're going to buy this primary house. And they're like, oh, we, you know, we've got $300,000 in the bank and we want a low mortgage payment. So we're going to put all that money on this house, right? And that's where you kind of say, well, hey, look, you told me that you want to buy more properties in the future. Why are we going to put all of this money uh, on, into the property where you're getting your best interest rate on your primary residence and you're going to have less cash and finance more on maybe some of these other properties down the road? But again, if you don't have those conversations up front, you're failing your client. And honestly, you're failing in your own business because you're not easily setting up those future sales. Um, and so I think the finance part's huge. I think the tax part is is huge you and i were briefly talking about it you know prior to kind of going live here is Mm -hmm. there's just so much tax benefit out there um for owning real estate and it's ever-changing right um and we just again just like we push them off to a lender we push our client off and say oh that's a cpa question screw that yeah the cpa may give you all the intricacies with your personal taxes and all that but the reality is, is i need to plant that seed so you can go and talk to your account, right? You know, you talked about all of those tax things that cost segregation schedules, depreciation, you know, uh, writing off expenses versus capital expenditures. There's all these things out there um, that we're just doing a piss poor job. Yeah. And just like we're chatting here, it's it just blows my mind that if you don't know these things, you're legitimately potentially putting somebody at risk by by your lack of knowledge. 
And then like we were talking before we started rolling on the show here, it's, are you screwing yourself when you go and buy a property? Imagine the type of damage that we're, that we're talking about over the long term and not understanding the difference between micro and macro. Like we, like you said earlier, Jason, it's like, all right, the interest rates went down. What does that do to supply and demand? Demand goes up. Supply doesn't really change. If anything, supply goes down. So yes, the rates are quote unquote lower. And you know, like one of the things that we talk about often is like, date the rate, marry the house, supply and demand. And if you're just blindly telling that to your clients, you're an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) And the reason I say that is because you just jumped on this bandwagon, have no context. So when somebody says, oh, well, why would I do that? Then you don't have like a legitimate answer on, on why it makes sense for them to still buy the house and what the strategy uh, looks like, right? Oh yeah, it's 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 like it's like a big thing. So one one of the things that I talk about when it says like they you know they derate marry the house. When we talk about even with the two one buy downs, that's a temporary solution to hopefully be able to take advantage of whatever's coming next. Yeah, and I think I think one of the things that you have to when you say a comment like that, right? Um, it, it alleviates a certain level of stress to some people, right? Oh, that's okay. I'll just I'll refinance in the future. But if you're putting somebody in a financial position today and you're making the presumption that they will be able to get out of that financial situation in the next couple of years, uh, that, you know, that's a big, that's a big leap, right? That's a, that's a big talk um, that, that you can't back up. And so I think when you start talking about things like that, you know, which is in essence, basically, when you say date the rate, you're in essence, just saying, hey, you're going to refinance later. That's, that's exactly. in essence what we're saying. Um, it, it's important to understand, again, it goes back to what the hell their goals are. And if you don't know what their goals are, as it relates to time, then you can't make that comment, I think, um, universally, right? If you have somebody that says, hey, look, I qualify at seven or seven and a half percent. I'm fine with the payment. I don't like it. I'd love it for it to be lower, but I'm fine with that. We're going to be in this house for 10, 15, 20 years. That's fine. You got plenty of time to wait for the rates to kind of settle back down. You got plenty of time to refinance and you can afford the payment, right? Even if you don't like it. But when you got somebody who maybe has got a two to three year you know, timeline horizon, maybe five years, they're going to, you know, they're, maybe they're a young couple, they want to start growing a family. So, you know, in a couple years, they're going to get out of this property or they're going to do something to it to just make this unilateral kind of presumption that you're going to be able to refinance, um, is different, right? You know, it's, it's just not, it's not, it's not the safest thing to say. One of the things that are two of the things that I think have to be recognized when you talk about that is a, when you start talking about refinancing, yes, let's say the rates go down. Who says your income is going to be the same? If rates come down because we're in some sort of recessionary environment, okay, who says your income is going to be the same? Therefore, who says you're going to be able to qualify again, right? So you're just making this big presumption that what you earn today, this year in 2021 and 2022 is going to be the same in 2024 and 2025. And I think that's irresponsible, right? So you got that thing that you have to worry about. Do I even qualify again? The other thing is, is when we start talking about refinancing, one of the big factors isn't just interest rate, it's value of the property, right? And so maybe rates go down because values dip down. Well, now can I even refinance and still meet my loan to value requirements? So again, I think you're spot on. I think it's fine to kind of 
say that comment, but you need to know who you're saying it to. Um, and can they actually refinance in the future? And, and how long is that future? Is it two years, five years, 10 years, that type of thing? Um, and I, I think you're right. Too many agents just say it. Too many agents say it because they say it without context. They do not understand the impact of that comment and what it truly means when it comes to navigating the finances and the long-term wealth planning, tax strategy, and the tax benefits, right? For somebody to be in a rental versus having a higher payment and having a higher interest rate, well, how much is principal? How much is interest? How much can we write off, ladies and gentlemen? Sometimes it is beneficial for you to still buy at a higher rate because you can write off more. And if you have the ability and the income to support it, you get to take, take advantage and capitalize on it. So, mm-hmm. so Jason, I, I, I think you're right on when it comes to context, 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 context. You have to understand. But in order for you to be able to understand, you also have to fundamentally understand the other factors that influence that comment right for sure and one thing before i want to just jump in real quick because you, you mm-hmm. brought something up that i think is important when you start talking about taxes for instance and, and we hear this all the time in the investment world especially right you know as as a primary homeowner you know a lot of people kind of struggle with am i taking the standard deduction or am i itemizing my you know mortgage insurance or mortgage interest and all those things right but as investors, you know, you own investment property, I own investment property. We we always take that interest, right? We're always taking that interest as an expense. Um, the key, though, is so let's say I take that interest as an expense and I save all my taxes. There's a couple of things. One, you need to know approximately how much am I saving, mm-hmm. right? So if you when you talk about, hey, you know, instead of renting, I'm okay with having the higher mortgage payment because of this tax benefit and this principal. If I have a tax benefit, I need to be able to calculate approximately what that tax benefit is. Yes. And I think too many agents, you know, and I know you weren't saying it there, but too many agents just say, oh, you're going to get this great tax benefit. Okay. Well, is that $100, $1,000, $10,000? Like, and then if it is $5,000, right, am I principled enough as a investor or purchaser to when I get that tax refund or savings at the end of the year to replenish my bank account? to make up for that higher payment? Or am I going out and putting it on down payment on a new car? Right. Um, and, and there's, I think there's a lot of people that aren't financially principled enough to either run those numbers or to be able to sit that money aside. And, and I think it goes back to the agents again, who need to sit down and have those conversations. Hey, I just wanted to jump in here and let you know, if you would like access to over 26 of the top agents in the country to help you scale your business, then head over to eliteagentsecrets.com slash partner, or you can just click the link in the description below. Now back to the show. So I got a fun little question here for you, because I know this is, okay. a, this is a little bit of a, like a gray area. When we're talking about the taxes and you just brought up, well, how much money am I getting? Am I getting $100 or I'm getting $100,000 right off, right? What's your take on advising your clients and sharing with them what that potential tax amount would be? Do you think that opens you up to a little bit of liability? Do you go that far? Do you have some kind of caveats, some kind of disclosures? Yeah, I, so I typically, well, because people's interest or because people's, you know, marginal tax rate will adjust based on their income, I typically lean back on giving them too much input on that. Yeah. When, what I will Same. say though is, but, but what I will, I will say is things that are concrete, right? 
capital gains, short-term and long-term tax rates, right? Those are going to be, you know, you're, you're 15 and you're 20% as long as you're making under, I think, 426000 a year, right? Those, those are kind of there. Your, you know, depreciation recapture at your ordinary income rate with a cap of, I think, 25%, right? So there are some things that are kind of universal for everybody. But when we start talking about, okay, hey, look, you know, I'm writing off $10,000 as an expense and interest from property A. Well, if you're making $30,000 a year and you're in a 12.5% tax bracket, you're saving a different amount than the person that's making $250,000 a year and taking that passive loss. Um, so in that scenario, I lean back because then I'm getting into, then I'm becoming their accountant. And I definitely want to kind of hold off on, on doing that. One of the other things though, that I think is important um, for all the you know brokers that will listen to this and say, hey, well, I want to be an investor myself. One of the caveats as, as agents that we get the benefit of is we're considered real estate professionals. Yes. And so certain loss, and this is where I think the line gets gray because I got to be careful not to give somebody advice that applies to me because it's my profession, but wouldn't apply to them. So, you know, if you make a certain amount of money and you're, you know, Joe Blow off the street and you're losing money, losing on, on a, you, if you make a certain amount of money, you can't take that loss this year. You know, that loss has the rollover. As a real estate professional, I can take that loss as a business loss. Um, and I can take it this year, um, irrelevant of income. And so, you know, those are the things you got to be careful about as as agents where I'm like, oh, no, that only applies to me. You know, so you got to be careful. And I got to preface this. This is not tax or legal advice for yeah. anybody that's <laughs> listening. So we CYA. Please make sure you consult a true, real professional that's licensed to be yeah. able to speak on the subject matter. <laughs> Yeah, these are just a couple guys shooting the shit. Of maybe about this stuff. This is just a personal yeah. opinion. Nothing more, nothing less. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah no, yeah. but you know, we, we we were talking, and as a real estate professionals, we do have some advantages. We do have some tax advantages that are very, very much solid. Where that advice, we do have to make sure that we're not telling them what's relevant to us, and we're telling the clients what's relevant to them. Anybody can take advantage of Section 168K, which is accelerated depreciation of the asset. There's a certain rule and method to doing it in order to make sure that you're actually able to take advantage of it. Anybody can take advantage of Section 179, which is section uh, specifically that, that talks about cars and vehicles over 6,000 gross pounds that you can take a depreciation, accelerate, accelerated depreciation on, right? And there are certain stipulations there as well. So uh, tread carefully. Um, but these are things that if you don't know them, hopefully you learned them, but the tax code, the legal code, the macro, the micro, how the markets work and the finances, they're, they're, they're not mutually exclusive. They're intertwined, right? They work hand in hand. So you may not know everything and that's okay. But I, one of the things that I would recommend for everybody listening and Jason, if you don't have this for you as well, which I doubt that's the case, but have those professionals around you that can go hand in hand with you that can educate you or that you can lean on for advice. One of the big things that I did when I was starting this business and all my other businesses that I have an amazing financial advisor, right? 
He's not a business financial advisor. He's the financial advisor for all matters considered. Then I have an amazing, amazing CPA who's also a tax strategist, which is a, it's, it, there's a difference. There's somebody that can do your bookkeeping and tell you the tax code and tell you how to write everything off. And then there's somebody that says, don't write everything off. Here's the assets that we need to acquire. Here's where you need to spend your money. So you're not giving it to Uncle Sam in a legal way in order to minimize or eliminate your tax liability through assets, right? Because you're going to have to, you're going to pay it anyways. Might as well buy some cool shit with it, right? That's right. (laughs) And then you also need an attorney to make sure that they get you (laughs) out of trouble for whatever may happen. Because at some point or another, as you make more and as you climb the ladder, there's always going to be somebody that is going to be a quote unquote a bad apple. Or you said this, but you said that. So anytime I'm very, very careful when we give this type of advice or opinion, I should say, we give opinions or we share opinions of things we've seen in the past, things that we've experienced, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, you're, you're spot on. <laughs> so yeah, I, um, go ahead, Jason. No, I, building your team is, is, is critical. Um, it, it really, really is. You know, it, it's... And they're not all created the same as you just were alluding to. Um, and, and having that good team, you know, if you have an accountant who's charging you 250 or 300 bucks an hour, but you know, and it takes them five hours to save you $10,000, it's, it's a no brainer. Like it just, it doesn't make sense. And I think too many people will try to find the cheapest route and they end up paying it. You in, know what the, cheap, the, the cheapest route seems to be always the most expensive. Always, no matter how you look at it, no matter how you look yep. at it. Um, the, so a lot of tax strategists, if this is the first time you guys are hearing this, will basically go off of a percentage of the money that they're saving you. And those are like the real deal people. So let's say your tax liability is 100 grand and you're, you don't know what to do with it. If they're going to charge you 30 grand to eliminate the 100 grand, you're paying 30 and you're saving 70. That is still a no brainer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it is. It is absolutely just. It's worth their money. But again, just like not all brokers are the same, not all you know tax strategists or CPAs are the same. So you really do have to find the ones that are good in what your field is. Yeah. Um, I think that's huge. So Jason, thank you so much for wrapping this all together for yeah. us. We have covered a tremendous. Um, plethora of different subjects and variations here. I hope the listeners learn at least a thing or two or maybe three. Um, I want to give you the floor though. I want to, how can people get in touch with you, where they can pick up your book? Uh, Are you growing your team? Let us know what you have going on. Yeah. So I'm going to put my link here for the book in in the chat. Hopefully you can kind of send that out wherever you do this. Um, Yeah, we're we're growing our team. Um, You know, after doing this for a while, we're at the point that we're particular about our agents that we bring on. Um, but uh, my website is Investors Wealth Education. So investorswealtheducation.com is, is my website and all my contact information is there. Um, I would like to, uh, I'll kind of say two quick things to kind of finish up. One is going to be, um, I had somebody who told me a long time ago, and this is more for the real estate brokers. If you're in real estate and you're not buying real estate, you're missing the bigger picture. That always kind of resonated with me. Um, so I just want to kind of share that. If you're a broker and you're not out there becoming an investor yourself, you're basically helping other people create wealth. 
and you're not creating it for yourself. You're just in a high paying job. Yes. Um, and, and you need to understand the difference between wealth and high paying job. Wealth means you can stop working and still make money. <laughs> um, and there's a difference between rich and wealthy. Um, the, the second thing is, is I, I always like to elaborate on kind of the plug the holes, fill the barrel. And you had kind of uh, alluded to part of it, but it's actually got, it's more of a financial thing. And, and I tell people, if you imagine a rain barrel at the end of your gutter, the ones that people would kind of store water to, to water plants and all, most people just have a four inch downspout going into that barrel, that barrel mm-hmm. being their bank account. And they just have one job. And, you know, you guys have storms down in Florida. You got one bad storm. You get laid off. You get injured. You get, you know, whatever. Um, you get a clog in that gutter. All of a sudden, your barrel stops filling. Um, and then most people kind of think of that barrel of just having that hose at the bottom as their expenses. They turn it on. They pay their mortgage. They pay the car, et cetera. The reality is if you need to be successful and you want to build wealth as a broker, as an investor, whatever, it's fine to have that four-inch gutter in there, that downspout. You need to have some other hoses in there, rental properties, passive cash flow, whatever it may be, even if they're really, really small. Because if you have an issue with that downspout, it's way easier to grow income sources that already exist, even if they're very minor, than it is to go out there and try to create income sources, especially if we're in a down market. And then instead of just thinking about that hose at the bottom, think of your mortgage as a softball hole. Your golf ball size hole is your car payment. Your pin size hole is your $3, four, it's now $4, cup of coffee at Starbucks, those type of things. So plug the holes, fill the barrel. Um, you need to be offensive, defensive, uh, not just one or the other. And if you do that, you can create wealth instead of riches. And I think you need to understand there's a massive difference between the two because wealthy, you get your time back. Yes. Um, and, and riches, riches, you don't. You got money in the bank, but if you stop working, uh, the money stops coming, right? That's right. So, that's it's, all, right. It's, all, so it's all about creating leverage. By the way, I already picked up the book for anybody that's looking to pick up the book. Uh, get yours on Amazon. Plug the holes, fill the barrel. Um, I think it's like beginner's guide to wealth, right? It, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Beautiful. And then for a surprise segment here, I'm going to ask you three questions right off the top of your head. Uh, okay. You ready? Yeah. All right. One book or person or podcast or whatever you're doing, um, whoever you're learning from. Honestly, podcast. I, I still like to think like bigger pockets. I know Love it's. It. I know sometimes it's 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 a national one, but I do like it depending on who their guest is. Okay. Depending on who their All guest right. speaker I like is, it. I like it. Your yeah. goal for the next twelve months. Um, and next for the goal for the next yeah next twelve months is to pick up at least two flips and hopefully two to three more long-term rental properties. Love it. What do you think is going to be stopping you from getting there? Time. <laughs> Time. Oh, don't we wait yeah, yeah, more than 24 hours in a day? Yeah. Yeah. I've got a, I've got a two month old at home and a, uh, a toddler um, and we're running businesses. And so uh, time, um, because my family is so important to me. So, but, but we'll get there. We'll get there. Love it. Love it. <laughs> Jason, yeah. thanks so much for jumping on today's podcast. It has been fun yeah. having you on and for everybody listening, we'll see you guys in the next one. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you would like one-on-one access to over 26 of the top agents in the country to help you scale your business, then head over to EliteAgentSecrets.com partner, or you can just click the link in the description below. 